At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. WIP, radio.com sports station. Bewitching Hour Midnight here at 94 WIP. Fun hour and change that we've already put in. We're going to be bopped around on a couple of topics. The Eagles that we've talked about have been more about the fans returning to Lincoln Financial Field than the actual one and three team that we have here in town. Uh, we'll rectify that situation because i got a lot of Eagles questions. For our next guest, he comes from day in, day out, uh, reports on him for Sports Illustrated, phillyvoice.com, his podcast, Extending the Play, is a must-listen for all Eagle fans. John McMullen joins me here on 94 WIP. How are you, J.M.? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Jody. Always a pleasure. Appreciate your jumping aboard with us. Uh, let me start here. We heard from Jim Schwartz today, and <laughs> he said something today that I would have, if I had been there, I would have just thrown the BS flag uh, and or at least wanted to ask two or three different follow-up questions thereafter and asked about the roster that he controls and manages on the defense side of the board. He was asked about it, and uh, he said, I'll leave the team building to Howie and Doug. Does he or doesn't he have any say, sway on what moves the Eagles make offseason, uh, elevating guys from the practice squad, certainly on draft day? Uh, it just came to came off to me as if he was saying, oh, don't look at me. I don't pick these guys. <laughs> Um, yeah, did you get that I, I same mean, vibe? Yeah. Not, well, partially. He's 50% right. Uh, you know, this is this is now a traditional uh, GM coach setup. And I think I tweeted about this earlier. I think because Andy was here for so long and then Chip Kelly, I think people have forgotten what that looks like and how he's in charge of personnel. Now, that doesn't mean – uh, Doug doesn't have input. That doesn't mean Jim doesn't have input on the defensive side of the ball. They certainly do. Uh, but from the standpoint of the box stops here, Cowie Roseman's roster. Um, and, and, you know, Jim has done that in the past. He defers head coaching questions. He'll say that's a Doug question. He'll say that's a Howie question. So he's done that pretty consistently over the years, partially because, yeah, he doesn't want to answer it, but partially because he can. Uh, so it, it's like any GM in this league. They all have staffs. They all have input, but it's their final decision. And this roster, you don't have to think about it anymore. In the days of, you know, is, is Chip in charge? Is Howie in charge before the uh, power struggle? You never really knew. Um, Andy was in charge for a long time when he had those issues uh, with his kids. Uh, Joe Banner kind of seized a, a little bit more power when he was away, and, and there was a little bit of, of questioning, okay, whose pick is this, whose pick is that? 
These are all Howie Roseman picks. These are all Howie Roseman personnel decisions. Now, if you're a good GM, you listen to your coaches and you get the players they want. So if you want to look at it that way, yeah, of course, everybody has input and and everybody is involved. But, I, I mean, this is a traditional setup now, and it's the GM's roster. I think that's fair to say. Fair enough. So uh, this would be my follow-up question to you rather than Jim Schwartz. Um, if it is a traditional setup, would you say in a traditional setup, Schwartz as a defensive coordinator has more influence, less influence, the same influence as other teams that have the typical setup, how does his sway and say compared to other defensive coordinators, or I go offense coordinator, just coordinators in general? Uh, he has more power than most, but I would put him in the category of really entrenched defensive coordinators uh, with offensive head coaches. Um if you have that, you know, you know, you're not going to get involved on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Sean McVay when he had Wade Phillips. I mean, Sean McVay was so obvious about it, he didn't even pay attention when the defense was on the field a lot of the time. He was at, he was on the bench, near the bench, talking to his offense. Right. I, that 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 also is not rare. Now, Jim has a a little bit more cachet than the average defensive coordinator as a former head coach. He's well-regarded in this league. I mean, you know, somebody like Bill Belichick will swear by him. So, I I mean, he is well-regarded. He does have, uh, I would say, more power certainly than the average defensive coordinator. But as far as the top five or ten even that have are under offensive head coaches, yeah, it's their fiefdom. That's not rare. All right, we'll see how it uh, plays out. It just seemed to me as if he was p- trying to pass the buck, and I do think he's got his fingerprints all over a bunch of things the Eagles have done roster-wise on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, John McMullen from SI Philly Voice and his podcast, Extending the Play, our guest here on 94WIP. Right, Eagles made a couple of roster moves today. Will Parks activated off the uh, injured list doesn't mean he's definitely going to play this week, but he could. Uh, I, we've not seen him um, because he got hurt before the season started. Um, reports from practice were that he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. I remember talking to a friend who uh, covered him previously in the National Football League and said when he signed with the Eagles, hey, you're going to like this guy. Good dude, great attitude, will uh, help his teammates out. Uh, should be a good fit with the flexibility that the Eagles are looking to get on defense. But we haven't seen it. What's he going to bring when he gets into the lineup? Yeah, well, I can validate that. He's a really good dude. So, I mean, that is, is you know, positive. But it comes down to can you play or not. And certainly right. uh, the Eagles uh, penciled him in for a big role. He was going to be – uh, the third safety, and they were going to play a lot of big nickel, as they call it, with three safeties on the field. Uh, so he was going to have a, a big role. Now it, it might change a little bit because um, Avante Maddox is out. Jalen Mills has moved back to corner. So 
you know, we'll see. He's been working out on the side for a couple weeks now, so he's been getting closer and closer. And they started that 21-day window, as you mentioned. He's technically still on injured reserve. Obviously, though, they cleared out two spots. So if everything goes well this week, they're going to elevate Will and they're going to elevate Vinny Curry off, not elevate, off the IR. Uh, and those will be those two roster spots in advance uh, of Baltimore. Obviously, when you have a hamstring that has kept him out uh, this long, you've you got to be very careful with it. Uh, and if things don't go as planned, you know, they do have that 21 days before they have to make a final decision. So I would say it's trending that he'll be back on the field. And, yeah, that's big because I think if you look at what the Eagles have been doing at safety, they've been using sort of a platoon with Marcus Epps and, and, and Kayvon Wallace. Marcus more the coverage guy, Kayvon more the run-stopping safety, and you don't want to be doing that. You're, you're tipping your thing, you're tipping off your defense a little bit. So I think getting a, a veteran presence and a guy who can play all over, he's played in the slot, uh, he can play either safety position, he can play deep, uh, he can play in the box. That's certainly that positionless player theme that both Howie Roseman and Jim Schwartz talked a, a lot about in the offseason. They had to waive Casey Toehill. He's one of the guys you mentioned that they did uh, move, uh, clearing up a roster spot to have some roster flexibility. Uh, Late-round draft pick, got in for a couple of snaps, Again, a guy who there's not much film on to evaluate, but he was a draft pick and they're exposing him here. Someone may just snap him up and then uh, they're in trouble. If not, they can attempt to try, uh, try and sign him back to the practice squad. How big a risk are they uh, taking by exposing Toil? Uh Do you think there'll be interest around the league in him and they'll lose him? I think there will be uh, a little bit of interest. I think they're more likely to lose him. Uh, than Graylin Arnold, who's the other player they waived. Um, because this team, this league is always looking for edge rushers, and, and Casey's uh, a tremendous athlete. I, I mean, he was uh, graded out in the highest percentile of this, of this draft class. Problem is, he's undersized uh, to play defensive end. To me, he looks like a 3-4 outside linebacker. So if there's a 3-4 team that needs an edge rusher, I mean, he's worth uh, taking a, a stab at. Uh, and the Eagles are hopeful. Obviously, you always weigh that. And, you know, those 53-man spots are valuable around the league. And he's probably not ready to play right now. So it's tough to offer up that roster spot to him. And I think that's what the Eagles are thinking. And they'll be able to get him through waivers. But I, I think he's more likely to, to be – claim than, than a Graylin Arnold. Fair enough. We're talking to our buddy John uh, McMullen, SIPhillyVoice.com, here with us on 94WIP. Which scares you more this week? Lamar Jackson running the football, Lamar Jackson throwing the football, or the Bengals, uh, Carson Wentz trying to throw the football against the, bang, uh, the Ravens defense? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember when the Ravens were last in here for joint practices. I mean, those cornerbacks just stood out, especially when you compare them to the Eagles' corners. It was like, wow, okay, that's what a cornerback looks like. <laughs> uh, so they have some really, really talented players. 
I mean, this is a top five roster in this league, and and that's, you know, when you're struggling, uh, the football gods seem to never give you a break. And if anything, uh, the Eagles got a better team than even last week with the Steelers coming in. So can I say all of the above? <laughs> I think you uh, just the did. Way, <laughs> the way, I, I think Carson is playing better. So I, I – and, and Travis Fulgham, uh, it's amazing, but he's helping him. Um, it's, it's, you know, he's playing with confidence. It's one of those things you'd never expect. And it's amazing what confidence means to a player. Um, but Lamar, I, I mean, you, you've seen how the Eagles have struggled with a lot of misdirection. Uh, and, and nobody has a more innovative running game than the Ravens. In fact, if you go back to the off season and when Jeffrey Lurie forced Doug Peterson to fire Mike Rowe, one of the guys they, they wanted to interview, wanted to bring in was James Irvin. He's an assistant in Baltimore. And the reason they wanted to do that is because they wanted to integrate some of that Ravens running game into what they do. And then they ended up bringing back Marty Morningwig as a consultant for that same reason. Uh, so they have tremendous respect for what the Ravens do. And obviously nobody knows John Harbaugh better uh, than the Eagles. And, you know, if Jeffrey Lurie could have got him, he would have been the head coach here. Um, that's how much respect they have for him. So I do think they're going to be concerned about that running game. And it starts with Lamar Jackson because he's so unique. It's, I mean, he is, and, and Jim called him today, the most dangerous player in the game. And that's that's fair to say. All right. Uh, I promise you this is not a joke. It is just a question. Three guys go into a room, and they are Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, and Doug Peterson. How is that conversation going this week? Uh, well, I, I don't. Let's put it this way Carson and Zach don't have, I mean, they're very close. They don't have problems with each other. I, I, I think it's a little more. Uh, Zach's upset, and. He's more upset with the organization than the head coach. Um, I think if you go all the way back to uh, the playoff game against Seattle, I think people forget he, he played with a broken rib. He played with a lacerated kidney. He was he, he should not have played. And I, I think he looked at that and said, okay, look at what I've done for this organization. How, look at what I've done for this organization. How, how about a little bit of love back? And the Eagles are obviously taking a hard line on his contract. And I think it's affecting him. I don't think there's any question about that. If you, if you look at that first Carson Wentz interception, uh, Jody, that wasn't Carson's fault. I mean, Zach got bumped off by Vince Williams and didn't, and gave up on the play. And you just don't see that with Zach Ertz. Um, so I, I mean, something's going on with him. And I, I know Doug wants to get him involved and get him back on the right track. I mean, Doug has said from when he's gotten here, and this was back when Alshon was healthy practically, uh, you know, his game planning constantly told us starts with 86 and 17, which was Zach and, and Alshon. And then everybody is trickled down from there. Um, he wants to start with 86, but it, it's it's been a tough year, and I think it has to do with the contract weighing on him. 
I agree with that. And I don't know if there's enough uh, muddied water that's already gone under the bridge that it's not repairable. But there are points where you have to make that call and you have to predict and project what's going to happen going forward. One of them is coming up in only three weeks, which is the NFL trade deadline. Three weeks from today is the last day that you can make any moves. The Eagles are going to either win or lose games, and other teams in the division are going to do certain things. So it's an unfair question because there are a lot of variables in this, but I'm going to ask you tonight. Zach Ertz, if they decide to move on from him, more valuable before the trade deadline because the team gets him for this year and next, but they don't know what kind of attitude he's going to bring if the new team isn't willing to rip up his deal. Uh, Can Zach Ertz be traded over the next three weeks? Yeah, I I think he could, and I think, to be honest, he would like to be traded uh, uh, before the deadline. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen because the Eagles do – would want to get full value, and I'm not sure that's possible uh, with the way he's playing right now. I mean, people have speculated uh, Indianapolis because of the obvious connection with Frank Wright, but, you know, Mo Alley-Cox has come out of nowhere uh, to be a big play threat, so I'm not sure that's a fit. And then Seattle. I mean, Seattle's a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and if they say – and they have a history of, of, of pretty much – going for it and getting veteran players and doing what it takes to win. I think that would be the one team I would look at. But, I mean, the Eagles need somebody to play tight end, and Dallas isn't healthy right now. So I think a lot of that has to do with how quickly Dallas Goddard is able to make it back, and that we don't know yet. And then the second part is if the Eagles start playing well, I mean, I, I joke about it. They're one, three, and one, but they're the favorites in this division. I don't, I don't see how you could look at it any other way. So they have time to figure this thing out and sort of back into the playoffs again in the bad division. And if you play well, if you start playing well at the end of the season, you can make some noise in the playoffs. I think ultimately. That's the way the Eagles will lean, and they'll probably be more likely, as usual, to add. Not a big piece, but you've seen in the past years where it's Gennard Avery last year, more likely to add than than sell. Should the Eagles have any interest in Le'Veon Bell? Uh, yes, but Le'Veon wouldn't have any interest in the Eagles. I mean, you think about what Le'Veon – I mean, the, the Eagles – desperately need a backup running back. Uh, they've got nothing from Boston Scott and Corey Clement. But why would Le'Veon Bell come here as a backup running back uh, on uh, presumably a, a veteran minimum deal? This is a guy who sat out a full season because he didn't think he was getting his value. Now, obviously, it, the way he played with the Jets, it's got to come down off of that. But with, with the way he feels about himself, I, I don't even think he would accept being a backup to Miles Sanders. So I, I don't think that is a fit at all other right. than the Eagles need a good running back, and he's a good running back. I think that's the only part that makes sense. You and I are on the exact same page there. Uh, and, oh, by the way, just remember Jody Mack suggested first, he may be standing next to an ex-Eagle quarterback, uh, by the time next week rolls around, I think he's a good fit in Chicago. Wouldn't be surprised if he ends up there. I, I, you mentioned Goddard. Uh, I know the Eagles try and 
dribble out information on injured players. There are other teams that are worse around the league about it, but they're not forthcoming on everything. Your educated guess as to when he can be back? Uh, well, it's dragging. Uh, I mean, at the outset, you know, he had a break, which is actually supposedly better uh, than a high ankle sprain. So if you think a typical high ankle sprain, probably talking four to six weeks, uh, and the theory was he could potentially make it back before then. Obviously, when you put somebody on injury reserve, that's three games now off the bat. So um, that was the last uh, scenario, and I've heard nothing different to this point. So certainly it's not season-ending. Certainly they expect him back. And obviously, I mean, this team has started to at least get a little better play at, at the receiver position, namely from, as I mentioned, Fulgham and even Greg Ward. So they've been playing more 11 personnel out of necessity, but I do think they would like to get back to their two tight end sets, and obviously you need the two tight ends for that. Correct. All right, John, last thing. I know you've been heading down to uh, the Lakeland Eagles who played their home game so far this year. When you do so this week, about 7,000 others are going to be in the building with you. Do you think the fans, if a packed stadium gives you a 100% of effect from a Philadelphia fan base, if this is going to be about 15%, how does that play in the mind of the players, the effect it has on the game? Uh, you've been watching it on TV like everybody else. Um, do you think it actually does raise Eagles' chances this week against the Ravens? I, I, I think a little bit, but minimal. I, I mean, I was in Pittsburgh, so I got to see what it looked like there. Uh, same situation, obviously same state. Uh, they had 7,500 people in the building. Ended up being about 5,000 fans. Uh, and they, you know, it, it, I will say it made it uh, a little bit more uh, normal uh, to have at least some noise and, and some reaction. So from that standpoint, uh, it's a positive, I think, uh, for the aesthetic value of the product. But from uh, the actual football standpoint, I mean, coaches have told me pretty consistently there is no home field advantage with these no crowd or or low crowds, and that's why I defaulted to Green Bay as the favorites because uh, Aaron Rodgers can do so many things with hard counts. Now on the road, forget about home, he can do it on the road, and he has been doing it and just dominating teams. So that's been one of the things, the crazy parts of the 2020 COVID NFL, those home field advantages, especially for places where it's huge, like New Orleans, I mean, New Orleans wants to go play in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, get yeah. Some kind of advantage. Minnesota, with that stadium and that dome and that noise, they've been awful at home. Seattle's been great, but not because of that home crowd. They're typically and and Philadelphia, obviously, uh, is is one of the better home field advantages. Just doesn't exist anymore. And let me get your take on this: uh, Eagles removed uh, last night's Monday night game. I, I watched. Drew Brees struggled first quarter into the second. He got a touchdown late in the second to make it more competitive. And then he came out with Drew Brees in the second half. But uh, even today, after the game, when they came back and won, 
oh, Drew Brees isn't what he used to be. Uh, it's not the same Saints team. It's not just Michael Thomas. Drew Brees is looking old. He didn't look all that old in the second half to me. Why did everybody just pay attention to the first half and forget about the game-winning second half he had? Well, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Uh, you know, when you're post-40, you're not what you used to be. I mean, Tom Brady isn't either. Uh, and, and they both, if you look at those, they're both great players, and they can both do so many things at the line of scrimmage, and they can beat, beat you cere- so cerebrally. I can't even say the word, but, um, you know, if you're talking about pushing the football down the field, Jody, they're not great at it at this stage, and it makes sense. Uh, I mean, the arm strength is not the same. Why would it be? Uh, but they make up for it in other ways. You know, one of the things I've always criticized Sean Payton for, whether it works or not, is, is you know, the Taysom Hill stuff. And I say the same thing with the Eagles now with Jalen Hurts. Uh, you, you, you know, people will say, and you can argue starting pitcher if you're a baseball guy, but certainly quarterback is among the most important positions in sports. I think we can all agree with that. Sure. So, by definition, if you're if you're the starter, uh, well, the coach thinks you're better than the backup. So why would you take the most important player away from his position at any point? I, I've never understood it. I never will understood and understand it. I don't agree with it. I think it's a dumb move. Uh, you know, if you look at the playoffs last year, Hill, Hill was great against Minnesota, but they lost the game. You know, maybe if you leave Drew Brees in there. He gets a better feel earlier, they win the game. Who knows? But the point is, I, I don't agree with it. And, and quarterbacks like Drew Brees, even though their their uh, skills have deteriorated a little bit, are obviously better than 90% of the other quarterbacks. So it depends how you look at it. John, good stuff. We always appreciate how you look at it and give us your insight whenever you hop aboard. Thanks for coming on. I'll get you on again soon. Thanks, brother. All right. Thanks, Jody. Appreciate it. John McMullen, SI, phillyvoice.com podcast, extending the play where you get your better podcasts. I'll add to John's conversation. i got to get to a break because I'm way late. So uh, I'll give you a little bit more on Drew Brees and Taysom Hill and uh, Hertz here replacing Wentz. I agree with John for the most point, but I would take it even a step further. I'll tell you about it when we come back. And get the phones reopened. 215-592-9494. Get you on with the Mac Man here on 94WIP. If you're voting by mail in Pennsylvania. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.